I am someone who is open to ideas, whoever they come from. Uh, if it's my mum or a friend or the prop person or whoever it is, I think that people have good ideas and I want to hear them. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, two sisters band together in hopes of receiving an inheritance in director Dean Craig's comedy, The Estate. The film finds them pitted against their greedy extended family members in a battle to win over their terminally ill, difficult-to-please aunt, in hopes of becoming the beneficiaries of her estate. In addition to The Estate, Craig's other directorial credits include the feature film Love, Wedding, Repeat and the upcoming feature The Honeymoon. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Craig spoke with director Alex Grossman about filming The Estate. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Hello, Um, I'm Alex Grossman. This, as you know, is Dean Craig, a writer and director. You know, that kind of brings me to my first question for Dean is, how'd you come up with this? I mean, this is is your movie. What's the inspiration? Um, Wow, how'd I come up with it? I mean, it was so, this started actually as a um, TV pilot for HBO that I was writing like years and years ago. And... um, and it was kind of quite well received as a pilot, and it did did well. But they didn't obviously they didn't go and make it as a pilot. So we, you know, but I I just wasn't really ready to drop it. There was just something I really liked about it, and that there was there was more to explore there. So, you know, I mean, long story short, is cut to a few years later, and I uh, I was talking to Mark Goldberg, the producer, and and decided to actually there was a step before that because we got Tony attached. As a to it as a TV series, and then when that didn't work out, I basically just wanted to write, rewrite it as a film, as a feature film. And Mark was really up for it, Mark and Sarah, and the producers. And so we uh, we did it as a feature, and the, the, here we are. And, and you know, speaking of that, it's is that how it got made? Once Mark and Sarah said, "Hey, we're on board," is that what really pushed it along? Like it feels like with every feature, it's that one uh, cast member, that one producer, that one financier. Like what was it with this? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe you need all of those things <laughs> to get the film that actually made. I mean, you need so many yeses. But I mean, the, a big thing was Tony Collette. Obviously, getting getting her attached was a huge, a huge plus for us. Um, and just you know, it was a you know a great sort of stamp of approval. Um, and then Mark and Sarah were, they were incredibly passionate producers. And you know, we had like we went through all sorts of rigmaroles as you do on a production where you you know at one point we were making the film in Australia. And then a few weeks before, it just it just didn't work out. We couldn't make the timing work, so we had to, you know, we had to start again and then sort of reorganize it and go a few months later in New Orleans. And so, you know, they were always behind it and were very, very, you know, determined and passionate producers. And yeah, that you need a hundred percent. Otherwise, your movie's not getting made. So uh, yeah, many thanks to them. 
I, I, you know, I was going to ask you broadly about your casting process, but now I, I, I'm more interested in uh, specifically, like, what drew you to these actors? Like, not all of them, but like, what, what do you look for when you're like, oh yeah, that's the one? Wow. I mean, it, well, it depends on the part, obviously. Um, you know, I look for actors that I think are, have, have brilliant talent, you know, as, as anyone, as any director does. And I think that, you know, you also want someone who is right for the role and who's going to bring something exciting for the role. So Tony, for example, is just a brilliant, whatever she does, you know, she's that kind of actor. And then, you know, for the, for Anna Faris, it was really interesting because I think that the character of Savannah was, as it was written, as I, as I wrote, it was like, she's really kind of tough and, um, you know, and, and always determined and will do anything to get what she wants. And is pretty ruthless actually, and sort of morally ruthless. Um, and so i I was really intrigued by the idea of some, casting someone like Anna, who is so sort of warm and like lovable and sweet and to have her doing this kind of character, I thought it was going to be a really interesting, um, you know, just, just an interesting sort of soul to the character, which I do think she brought to it. And then, I mean, you know, I think we, we have got a tremendous cast. I mean, there isn't anyone in the cast that I don't think is absolutely phenomenal. You know, so David Duchovny was, I, I've always thought is extremely funny. And so, yeah, obviously an exciting, exciting person to work with. And yeah. yeah I mean, for me, he was a standout. I was curious how much uh, was scripted with him, everything or, and with everybody. And how much leeway do you give your actors to kind of, you know, go off script and, you know, mess around. Yeah. Well, you know, we have the script, the script is there and I always feel like we could, we're going to get the script, and then we can have fun and do other things. And I'm very, I'm always very curious when actors bring ideas to the, uh, to set or before set, you know, they might bring, you know, actually David had many ideas, some of which were in the writing process or, you know, just even though he was only on a few weeks before we started shooting, he had ideas like only, he had the, um, what was it? I don't know. He wanted to say that line about uh, he likes dick now or whatever. And I was like, sure, let's do it. Let's try it. Or another example is the Lady Gaga when he gets woken up and he says, he said, I, I want to do that. And I was like, yeah, I know. I noticed that moment. I, I meant to ask you, I'm like, it's either Tourette's or he just improv that, right? <laughs> he just went for it. And yeah. I, and I, and you know, when he said it, I was like, mm, no, well, you know, we'll try it. And I, I don't know. And I, I really wasn't sure. And then when we were in the edit, I was like, oh, it's actually, it's, it kept making me laugh. So I was like, okay. That's, well, little authentic that's moments work. like that are great. Right. And it's not so much the line is, is that it, you know, it came out in the moment. Well, yeah, for sure. But it's also like when, when I think when an actor brings it, there's just that little bit more authenticity to it or I don't know what it is, but it's, yeah, it adds, it adds something, I think. So I'm always very, very keen for actors to bring their, their own stuff to the, to the table. I, if there's time. Right. How did you get your start in all this? Like, you know, you started as a writer and became a director, but you know, how did you make that leap even to becoming a writer? Well, it's, it's a very long story, I suppose. But uh, I started, as I imagine most most of you guys and most, most people do, just you know, getting any work I could in film. You know, I knew I wanted to work in film. I knew I ultimately wanted to be a writer-director. And I so I started getting jobs. I got my first job working, uh, doing work experience for a producer in London. And 
Uh, that it was hellish. It was like you know I was sort of doing all manner of horrific things for uh, for this producer for no money, and you know I did that for quite a while uh, until I was fired finally because I. Uh, I couldn't start his car and he just went mad with me and that was it. And then, uh, you know, I was a script reader for a very long time and that was an extremely good experience. I was a sort of a script reader for a lot of companies in the UK um, and then which went into script editing. And that was a great learning experience because I read, I, you know, I think over a thousand scripts in the space of a few years. And it was an incredible training because you learn uh, very quickly what makes the script work for the reader, what makes it not work for the reader, you know, uh, for me anyway. Obviously, I can only speak for myself, but I, I've, I've really sort of learned a lot of the craft of screenwriting from that process. Well, and that's something we talked about, what you, you know, you just said for me, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's really important. I'd love to hear more about that. Like, you know, ultimately, the person you have to make happy with your movie is you Mm. and so how do you know like how do you do you how much how much input do you want how much input do i want from other people like when you're like okay this is what it's going to be are you you certain or do you like you know is there a bit of a committee well i think that you know you're right you have to you have to please yourself when you're you know you you have to be pleased with it because i think if you're not pleased with it no one's going to be pleased with it chances are is my feeling about it but at the same time i I think that it's good to be open to other people's ideas and suggestions and, you know, because you never know what's, what someone has to say and what could add to what you have. So I am uh, as someone who is open to ideas, whoever they come from. Uh, if it's, you know, my mum or, you know, a friend or the prop person or whoever it is, I think that, you know, people have good ideas and, you know, if I want to I hear them. Um, you know, and then it's ultimately, you know, up to me, uh, as the writer director to decide whether that's, you know, whether we ultimately use it, whether we try it, you know, but I always want to hear input. I don't I never have a problem with hearing input. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, preferably it's not too critical input, but, um, you know, yeah, input and ideas are always great for me. Um, so to elaborate that once you get into the post process and, you can cut a scene, as you know, a million different ways. Mm. When do you say it's good enough? Like, when do you, when is it pencils down? Oh, God, when you run out of time, when you're kicked out of the edit until that's it, it's over. I mean, you know, you can edit and do post-production for forever. <laughs> like, forever. literally, there would be no end to it unless someone said, you're lit, that's your date, you're done. So, yeah, but otherwise I'll work on it and, you know, tr- be trying to make it better as as you know, as much as I possibly can. Well, you you mentioned that the, the other day when we were talking is that some directors don't watch their own films. Are you one of those directors or do you like, you know, sitting in the audience and, and taking it in? Well, I, I sort of, I do sit in the audience sometimes, you know, for at least for a bit. And then uh, I probably won't watch. And then at a certain point, uh, you know, I will never watch it again. Like that's it. I'll get to that point where it's like, right, I'm done. I, can, I literally cannot watch this anymore, and then I will, I'll never watch it again, probably, or watch it in like ten years or something. Yeah. What you had a very successful and have a very successful writing career. Why not? Why did you say, okay, now I want to direct? What What drew you to that? 
Well, I think didn't probably didn't know how hard directing was until I said that. But um, no, I, I always wanted to be a writer director, and then uh, it was just the, the way that that my career went. So I did the first film I did. There was another that the producer who actually took on the script wanted to direct it, and you know I was living in London. He was an American producer, and it was so suddenly I was faced with the prospect of getting my film made but I was going to have to sacrifice directing it. This was, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a hard decision to be honest, but I just thought, well, I, I you know, I'm no, I'm nobody and I'm nowhere in the business. And so this was a chance to get inside the door and, you know, like at least have a film produced and, you know, learn a lot about the industry and learn a lot about getting a film made. So I went down that path and then I wrote death at a funeral and that was a script where I was like, all right, I'm directing this one for sure. And um, that was my uh, absolute plan. And then the one of our producers, Cher Stallings, just said to me, can we, do you mind if we send the script to Frank Oz? Because he's, uh, you know, he's a friend and, you know, I'm sure he'll have some good advice for us and, you know, some maybe notes on the script. I was like, yeah, my God. <laughs> yes, and it's Frank Oz. That's amazing. And then I got a call not so long later saying, uh, Frank actually wants to direct the film. And then I was like, oh, wow, Jesus. Well, I'm definitely not directing it now then, am I? Because it's, uh, I'm going to, you know, that's quite something to compete with Frank Oz. Um, one of, you know, one of the best comedy directors there's been, I think. Uh, anyway, so it was obviously, it was a huge thrill. And again, I thought, well, I'm going to learn from this guy. And I did and, and continued to learn from Frank. I mean, he's somebody that I... Um, I speak to a lot and, you know, I get advice from and um, he's sort of like my bat phone, as it were, when I'm on set or I'm, you know, in a crisis. I'm like, Frank, what do I do? And he's always extremely generous with, uh, with trying to help me deal with those moments. I guess I'm curious about, and, you know, having, you know, done this myself and I think every writer director has a different answer. What would you say? and this is, I guess, two questions, the mm. pros of directing your own material and the cons of directing your own material? Wow. Well, I've only ever directed my own material, so I don't know the other way. But, uh, I mean, you know, the pros are you don't have to worry about a screenwriter, pissing off the screenwriter. And you can, um, you know, I, you, you have that ability on set or just before you go to set, whenever it is, to think, you know what, I'm just going to change this. I'm just going to, like, rewrite this. Or I'm, I need to add a scene. I'm going to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's just you have all you, – you just have more of the uh, weapons at your disposal, I suppose. So there's, there are definite pros to it. And you, and you told me you're not a storyboarder. You're a shot lister. Why? Mm. Well, I think that I like to have a certain dynamism on set. I don't, you know, I think that there's different ways of shooting, obviously. And I have, I have done some storyboarding, but I, in general, I, I don't really go for that sort of, okay, camera here, you know, get that. Then it, it's like I like it to be a little bit more moving and a little bit more dynamic and free-flowing. So for me, you know, shot list is, is a better way of, of achieving that than storyboards, which I think can sort of, you know, hem you in a little bit more. And is that why it, much of the movie, maybe all of it, but definitely much of it is handheld, I would say. Yeah, it, it's all handheld. Yeah. It, it all. Yeah. And so why? Well, uh, it was a few reasons. One was that I just wanted it to, I mean, you know, some of the things that happen in the film, I don't know if you noticed, they're a little absurd, a little extreme. And I felt like what I wanted to do was to film it in such a way that it felt 
naturalistic. I want it to look and feel naturalistic and, you know, almost sort of fly on the wall so that you, so that you kind of, uh, hopefully accept what the, who these people are, that they're real, that they're, and, and sort of follow their journey in a way that sort of gets you to the more absurd moments of this, of the film with, you know, but maintaining that sort of sense of realism and naturalism that kind of keeps you, keeps you engaged. I think, um, it's also a stylistic choice. I, you know, I happen to like that kind of that style a little bit and, um, you know, yeah, just, uh, that was it really. And, and, you know, given that you had a strong viewpoint or have a strong viewpoint about that, what was it like collaborating? Who was your cinematographer? Darren Moran, yes. Okay. And so, like, what, what's that relationship like when you, you know, you tell him, hey, it's going to be handheld. Is he like, yeah, great? Like, what's, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of conversations leading up to the film in pre-production about, you know, just the style of the film and, you know, how we were going to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. It was a very much a, a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Was it single camera the whole time? Yes. Well, I mean, we we had multi, we had two cameras. We two. had two cameras running at every yes, every like on every on almost every shot. So it was a lot for him to deal with, to be honest. You know, lighting sometimes quite large spaces, having two cameras running every time. Yeah. So it was. Well, yeah. So I'm. You know, how do you how do you light? I mean, I know how. Some how do you light for something like that? Knowing you're going to have two cameras, you know, moving around, you don't want to, you know, one camera to pick up the other. Mm. What was your lighting scheme like? Well, you, ha- you have to ask him that. <laughs> that's a question for him. But okay. Yeah, okay. I just said like do it, and then he's that's his problem. Which I love. I mean, so basically, you know, and again, this is something you and I talked about that I really, you know, love with you is that you know what you want, but you're comfortable bringing in experts and you know collaborating with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, I think that directing films, as many of the people in this room will know, is extremely difficult, extremely challenging, and sometimes so challenging that it's kind of it feels like too much for one person to be doing. You know, I think uh, I think I was saying to you the other day, and I like I, on my very on my first film as director, I got to the fourth day of shooting, and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm getting to the end of this shoot. There's like, like physically, I can't, I cannot do it. Um, mentally, you know, in every way, it's challenging, and so. Um, you know, I think when it comes to when it comes to filmmaking, I mean, one of the great things that you have at your disposal is like these experts, these people who are brilliant at what they do, who are extremely experienced at what they do, and you know, and I like I said, when it comes to ideas, and same with uh, heads of department, I want to hear from them, I want to know their ideas, and I want to know what they're thinking, and then of course that has to be you know, there's a collaboration between them and what they want to bring to it and what I want and need from, from that department. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a partnership. And so who are some of the standouts who are, you know, some of the keys on your crew Mm. who like came to you with an idea that you never, not that you never would have thought of, but that you'd never, that you didn't think of. And you're like, Oh shit. Let's do it that way. Like somebody who brought something unexpected. Oh, my, you know, everyone does that, I think. I mean, I, you know, I really love Dana Embry. She was the costume designer, and I think she did a phenomenal job with the costumes. And, you know, we, you know, our conversations were about, I wanted to, everyone to feel very distinct, you know, but also as a group, kind of interesting as a group. So, 
you know, and I th- she came up with some great ideas and great costumes. Uh, and again, sort of David came in and he had ideas about what costumes he wanted to wear. He was so wearing, what is it called, Kappa? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I, know, I don't know what it's called, but it was like, I mean, his costumes were fantastic. I thought. Yeah, I, I noticed that. that. He was so like much. wearing the same brand. Oh, you have that. It's your style. I, no, it's not oh, my style. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I noticed it. <laughs> right, fair enough. Yeah, no, it was great. And I, I it was clear that a lot of thought... Mm. went into wardrobe and also yeah yeah. and i was just gonna say just uh, you know there's i mean obviously there's every department that you know is on a film uh i mentioned the music department as well uh which was very you know very big part of the you know the post-production and uh you know i worked uh a lot with a guy called johnny gilbert who is the music supervisor who kind of you know we talk a lot even actually during pre-production and production about the musical style that we're going to go for um and so he was very helpful with that. And then we had uh, uh, Will Bates, who is the composer, who was like brilliant at sort of just coming up with uh, the style of music that we wanted. Again, like a collaboration of what I want from it and what you know he he has the ability to bring to it. So it was a, a great combination. Well, so. Uh, I'm curious, you know, it sounds like you had a relationship with the composer before the movie began. Is that right? No, no, with the music supervisor. Oh, okay. And how, once you got into post, what's your spotting process? Like, like do you sit with somebody and go through it and say, you know, how do you decide what scenes are going to have music, what, what scenes aren't? Well, again, like having someone like Johnny on board was very helpful in that because we would go through the film and, you know, we would talk about, well, you know, music here is a great thing, you know, and, and discuss the various possibilities and then try lots and lots of different things out until we got to a place where we were, we were happy with those tracks or happy with that, you know, that being a place to, to kind of get music, um, to where music would be additive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the penis. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, tell me, uh, what was the process of, uh, the penis. The penis. Yeah. Uh, well, it, well, you know, that was obviously a big thing. A big thing. Uh, actually, so what actually happened was we had a uh, we had a prosthetics maker who, and you know, we were like, okay, we're going to need a, a penis here, and it was going to take him six weeks. He was working on it for six weeks, and then he is very, very good at what he does. And when he sent it, it was like, well, that is realistic. But it's also absolutely enormous, and like, and I was just like, "There's no way we can have this in the film. It's just how, too." How did you have that conversation with that with that actor? It's like it's a it's a perfect penis, but it's it's too big for you. <laughs> like, what was that like? I think I I think I might have avoided that particular conversation. I've <laughs> uh, got someone else to have it. But anyway, so I we we just couldn't. It, it just was ridiculous and it was it was yeah so we had to rethink with very little time and actually our makeup our makeup uh, head of department went and and bought something from a shop and it was a you know this just a, a rubber a rubber thing and and then there was a lot of work that had to be done on to because it wasn't very realistic looking so we had to work to make that look realistic which was a mixture of you know what could be done in production and post-production um, did, did you have final say on the penis selection? I insisted on it. It was contractual. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. 
Um, I love, uh, you know, the, the main cast everyone's familiar with and they're, they're all big names, but the people even with smaller roles, um, were standouts. And I, mm. I can't remember her name right now, but the youngest sister with the D and D. Oh, Kayla. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, yeah. how do you, how do you find her? Oh, uh, well, she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm, which some people may have seen and recognized her from. And she was just like the standout of the season. She was brilliant. And so when we were talking about who we could go to for that part, that was, you know, I, I wanted to go for Kayla. And, um, and I thought she was brilliant. And actually, she was someone who really brought a lot to the role. It was very, very funny, very good at improvising. And, um, you know, just... Uh, like just her facial expressions are just so great i mean uh, yeah i just think she's incredibly talented and and i hope and think she will she'll go a long way you know it was also quite tougher she's quite new to the business and then you're throwing her in with kathleen turner and tony collette and anna faris and rosemary dewitt and ron livingston and david you know it's like very very intimidating for for a young actor um and but she, I thought she dealt with it brilliantly, and was a real real pleasure. How do you work with your actors uh, as you're directing, as you're giving them direction? Like, are you the type of director who waits for cut and then you take them aside, or are you the kind of person who's like, you know, throwing out ideas as you're rolling? <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like to throw ideas out at like Kathleen Turner and uh, like in the middle of rolling. I just wouldn't. Firstly. No, that's that's not what I would do. Whoever it is, I let I, I always let it finish. Partly because I just don't want to get in, interrupt their flow, and you don't know what's gonna gonna happen before you know you get to the end. Uh, and also, I just think it's off putting. So I yeah, I'm quite keen to to get to the end of the take and then discuss discuss with them what we might do differently. And so, how do those discussions go? Like, uh, I'm always curious how how directors, other directors handle it when it's like, is not at all, because it has to be what you want, right? Mm. But how do you get there? Like, for example, it is not at all the performance you had in mind. What, how do you get an actor there? Well, it's, I mean, it's through conversation, isn't it? It's through conversation and trying things. You know, I mean, I think different to me, like any, like anyone, all the actors are different. They respond to different things. You know, it's, for example, some actors like a line reading. Some actors have said to me, you know what, if you want to give me a line reading, please give me a line reading. And other actors are like, don't you ever give me a fucking line reading. So you have to, you know, you've, you learn about your actors and what they need and what they want and what's going to, what's going to help them as well. I mean, I think that, you know, I try to give a, an environment to the actors that's going to be comfortable, where they can feel happy and comfortable that they can try things, and you know, and uh, you know, and be somewhat experimental if they want to. Um, you know, and then and then we try it, and we, you know, and then if that doesn't work, or even if it does work, we might try an alternative. And and so, you know, I think we have time for one more question. I'm just going to sure. follow up with that, which is. How do you know when it takes over? How do you know when you're moving on? Like what what has to happen for you as a director where you're like, yeah, we got it. Let's let's go to the next setup. I mean, it's a good question because it's all it's always like the you know because you always want to do more takes always, but you know that you can't. So you you know so you're always in that sort of push and pull. You know, I suppose you just know you just know that you've got it 
and then and then you go. I mean, I I won't move on if I feel like I haven't got it. I just you know we, it's like well we just we just have to find it, um, even if that's going to take a little bit more time. So you know, I, I how do you know? You just know. You just know. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dean, uh, oh, for inviting you. me to do this with you, and uh, thank you for uh, sharing your movie with us. Great movie. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for thank coming. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.